last week when we got together, we talked about, you know, a place for everyone. And I've, you know, I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, and, you know, Lord's keep giving me more revelation and, you know, just kind of talking about, um, for lack of a better, better term, um, and the pastor mentioned it earlier, just getting back to basics. I think that in our lives as believers, what we have done is that we have made this, this life, this believer's walk, or however you want to describe it, more complicated than it should be. As the older I get, um, the more simpler I need life to become. Um, because, um, you know, I just got too much going on. And if serving God's going to be a complex thing, then maybe I ought to rethink it. Like, if I had to do all of this, and, it's, and you make it too hard, then, then I, I can't do it. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about this before. You know, that's the reason why most folks don't see church as a refuge. It's, uh, it's restriction. It's denial. It's, uh, it's a tiny little box. And then you give me all these rules that no one can ever live up to. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that we have to break down, and we ourselves have to understand that, you know what, we're, we're meant to live a, a bigger and grander life, but it has to be easier, right? You know, I, we hear this adage all the time about, you know, when new, when new Christians get in and they get their prayers answered right away. Well, there's a reason for that. Because they haven't been filled with and tied down and berated with just my personal opinions or with some dogma. They are shown the Bible, shown what to say, what to believe, and it works. And they are the rule, and everyone else is the exception. So maybe we got to flip that around a little bit. Because I'm like, I'm like, Lord, you, you went through a lot of trouble to die and to cleanse me of all my sins and to, to set me on high for me not to walk in that and receive it every day. So ultimately, we're, we're going to get to there. So real fast, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 in the Amplified Bible, just so we can have a text for having text's sake, I guess. And... Um, what it says, it says, now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it. Each part, severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. So we didn't make this up. This wasn't a tagline that we had to test with marketers or run by focus groups. There is a place for everyone, and it said it right there. In fact, it says that everyone has a place and a function. Said so understand that you do belong. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they're flat out wrong. So as you continue to read through 1 Corinthians 12 in the Message Bible, it gives us a, a better example. If I start in verse 25, it says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. We talked about this last week individual systems working in cohesion or in concert in unison with each other so this is the model for understanding how our lives together as a church every part dependent on every other part the parts we mission and the parts that we don't the parts we see and the parts we don't if one part hurts every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing everyone is involved in the healing I just read that that just pretty good right there. If one part flourishes, 
every part enters in the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. Never forget this. Now, we'll come back to verse 30 and 31 because there's, there's something there that I like a lot. But we'll, we'll get back to that. But it says right here, this is the model for, in, for how the church should function. Each one dependent upon each other. So when you come into church and you're here, and when we talk about church, we talk about this family, this, this large extended family. Everyone has a, has a purpose. So you play your part, I play my part. My part isn't diminished because you're playing yours, and your part isn't diminished because I'm playing mine. We work in symphony with each other. And I think so often when new folks come in, people are like, well, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. When we are designed to have a mutual interest in each other. The part that we just read here that I liked a lot talks about that when you're hurt, it's our job to help heal you. Now, I don't think anyone's ever thought about their church-going experience as playing a part in someone else's healing. Because when you come in, you decide, well, that's their job. We don't necessarily have to be an active participant in making someone else feel welcomed or loved. But clearly, it states that's what we should be doing. So when we talk about a place for everyone, and the reason why this is so important is that we, as the gatekeepers, if you will, have to understand that every single person coming here is only going to enhance you as a member, is only going to enhance you as a believer. So you're coming to me with a different set of life circumstances, a different set of of history, and what you know may help me, and what I know may certainly help you. So we have to start seeing this as an adversarial sort of arrangement, but more as a community. And the reason why churches don't grow is because they're not a community because we were just a collection of individual people refusing to get to know each other. Said, so you're going to have to change this. If you're going to actually do what I called you to do, you can't be a disciple and a fisher of men if you hate people. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay, that's good. So the blueprint that we have here is, is for, for our life, for, for liberty, for how we're supposed to just completely live our, our entire life, our existence as a collection of, of believers. And here in 1 Corinthians, he is imploring you to understand how important this is, that you have to get this message. He said, because God didn't send his only son down here to die for some people or some people that you approve of or some people that you let into the club, or some people that catch the revelation like you, or the people that pray like you, he died for everybody. For everyone. So when I read this, what I hear is that we are all the same. You know, the song says, Sinners Served by Grace. And, you know, I once was lost. You know, yeah. they call you a wretch and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and people get upset by it. But there's a reason why they put that line in a song. And it's not to call you a wretch. But it's the way in which you have to see yourself in comparison to other people. Because you may not have always been successful. You may have been the guy trying to get your act together. So when the guy comes in that's trying to get your act together, meet him on his level so that we can all grow together. 
So, yes, I'm not going to say that I'm a wretch because the Bible clearly says that I'm more than a conqueror. What he wants you to understand is that, hey, don't forget where you came from. No, you're good. <laughs> so these are things that we, have to, that we have to understand because if we dismiss this or we forget this very essential point, that's when we start to push people out because they don't feel connected. So let's, real fast, let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19, and I'm reading this in the Amplified Bible. You know, and, and last week we started to talk about purpose, so that's where we're going to focus today, is really what, what is our purpose? Like, yes, we're a place for everyone, you know, but what does that mean? So, Matthew 28, verse 19 in the Amplified says, Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. It says, amen, so let it be. It's like, okay. Like, well, what, is, what does that really mean? Well, yeah, Lord, you, you want me to make disciples of other folks, but how do we do that? You know, wars have been fought. People have been killed, blood has been shed over that very line. Well, I'm going to make a disciple out of you with my shield and my sword, and you're going to believe this, and this is what you're going to do. Or I'm going to take this Bible, I'm going to beat you upside the head to make you a disciple. But when it clearly states, all I want you to do is teach people to act like me. That's it. There's nothing complicated about it. And I think we forget the fact that we were put here, or we were called into this family to teach other people how to act like God. Teach other people how to follow. Teach other people how to be servants. And I think so many times we have forgotten that very, that very point. So our purpose is to go and live a life in a way that our actions, our presence, and our character causes other people to come into God's holy family. And the best part here is that if you do this, I'm going to be with you all the time, girding you up, urging you on, cheering for you to do this very simple thing. Just live a life that people will be attracted to you because they see that you have something special. You can't legislate that. I can't force you into believing God. All I can do is show you how good God's been to me, and therefore you'll want to see how good he can be to you. And that needs to happen all the time. You know, I had this conversation with the folks at work, and, you know, Lay's like, you know, you can definitely tell when you get upset. I'm like, well, what does that mean? She's like, well, you have a hard time hiding your emotions. I'm like, well, that's fine. I don't really care about that. That's fine. I'm very clear. That's called transparency. I said, and she said, and what you say can be very sharp and will cut deep into you. Now, that's not the first time I heard that. Probably not the second time I heard that either. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, whatever. I don't care. 
and studying this and just continuing to read over and over and let this pour into me, you know, he's like, not every response that you make has to have a, I don't need a 50 caliber response for every single thing that I say. We said, because that's not showing the love of God to anybody. So it just shows you're efficient with destroying people with your words. And we as believers are practiced and are really good at doing that. Like, boy, I'll break bad with somebody in a second. Really? That's, that's the expectation? So now how are we going to bring people in here and everything that I say isn't a, a soothing balm. It's more like uh, sandpaper. So what we're trying to do here is change our way of thinking, our way of speech, our way of doing and being, because ultimately we are cheapening what Jesus died on the cross for. I'll show you a verse where it says that, that very thing. But just let that kind of sink in and roll around in the old noggin for a little bit. And I think one of the things here that you see in Matthew 28, verse 20, and we're just talking like friends right here. Uh, we, we're just talking. He's like, listen, I'm going to be with you this entire time. But I need you to start living your life the way I need you to live it, free from sort of all of your other conditions, if you will. The reason why he says, I'll be with you, always, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, is because I'm calling you to live a life without fear and without conditions. That in itself is scary. Naturally, people don't like taking risks. You know why? Because you're taking a risk. It's the unknown. So you're not going to do that. It's tough to do that. It's tough to love people that don't want to be loved. It's tough to show yourself friendly to some folks that are not so friendly. It's hard to speak words of love to folks when you really want to cuss them out. It's hard. It's hard if you try to do it out of your natural self. He's like, yo, I got you. I'm with you right here. I'm propping you up. I'm holding you steady so that everywhere you go, I'm going with you so that you can accomplish this goal that we have collectively together. Said, and sometimes people forget that he said he's got your back, and that's the reason why we live our life this sort of uh, perverted way, trying to do some of the things that God wants us to do, but not all of the things. And for us as believers, we have to stop doing a portion and do all. Now, that may sound very lofty, if you will, but it's really not. Because if I can show you exactly what your purpose is, and it's simple and easy, you'd give it a try, right? you give it a try? Yeah. Okay. You're all on video and audio saying, yes, you would try. So if you don't, I could call you a liar. So let's go to Isaiah 46 and 4 real fast. And I have to give credit to... Uh, Minister Amoki on this one, because um, this wasn't on my radar. I mean, it probably should have been, but it just wasn't. So Isaiah 46 and 4, and I'm reading in the Amplified, it says, Even to your old age I am he, and even to hair white with age I will carry you. I have made, I will bear, yes, 
I will carry and will save you. So, so he's setting the occasion for you to believe everything that he has to say to you and for you to be obedient to every command that he has for you because he's assuring you that no matter where you are, where you go, what you do, or how young or old you are, I'm still going to support you. The Message Bible says, listen to me, family of Jacob, everyone that's left the family of Israel, I've been carrying you on my back from the day you were born, and I'll keep on carrying you when you're old. I'll be there bearing you when you're old and gray. I've done it and will keep on doing it, carrying you on my back, saving you. Now, people have a hard time serving God with 100% of themselves because they don't think that God's actually going to do for them what he said he would do. Now, remember, our command is to teach other people how to live like God, how to follow, how to lead, and how to be that excellent servant. That's our command. But we can't teach people to do that if we don't understand the basic lesson ourselves. So what we've been doing is that when people come in, we've been teaching them this perverted sort of sense of what God wants for you to do, but actually not really telling them because we ourselves haven't truly experienced what God wants to do for us. So it's difficult to say, look what God's done for me, if you haven't really truly experienced what God has done for you. Like, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Like, I can't stand when a fat person tells me how to lose weight. (laughs) Let's think about this for a minute. You can't tell me anything because no matter what you say, I don't believe because physically and what you're saying doesn't line up with what you're telling me to do as if you're doing it yourself. Now, if we were talking about a chef, that's something different. I'll take a fat chef every day because, hey, you've been eating good, man. So clearly that's been working out for you. So what you're saying, I believe. So as believers, when we talk about the goodness of God, you have to start experiencing the goodness of God. In real time. Not in the sweet by and by, but in real time. Like right now. So every day that you live and you're not experiencing the goodness of God, there's a disconnect someplace. And 99.9% of the time is because of something that we have done. Where, yes, you told me to go, but I didn't go. You said to love, but I didn't love. You said to forgive, but I didn't forgive. Said, so I have, I have this sort of God's goodness light, if you will. Ish, right. I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a, you know, God's been good to me, kind of. Instead of saying, God's been good to me, and this is the evidence of it. And we're living this life where we we have this sheltered existence where we're just afraid to let God do what he said he would do. And because of that, we can't influence other people to receive from God because we're scared ourselves. A place for everyone is a place for everyone to thrive and to be prosperous, and to experience his glory and his majesty and his dominion and his power. Not a place where we gather on Sunday scared of what God may ask us to do. I mean, he said it right here. He's like, look, I'll help you. I've got you. 
And even in those difficult times where you made it through, that wasn't you walking through it. That was me walking through it where you strapped to my back. Now, the kids love when I give them piggyback rides because they just sit there and they just, they just lay around. And daddy's laboring, trying to carry these monsters. But it's like, okay, Jack and Ethan are like, yo, this is great. I don't have to do anything. I can go wherever I want. I'm riding high. And it causes them nothing but to sit and enjoy the ride. That's what God wants to do. That's what he's trying to do. And all the time while he is carrying you, you're trying to get off his back. That doesn't make any sense. If God came down and said, listen, I'm going to throw you on my shoulder, and I'm going to take you to your wealthy place, or I'm going to take you to your place of prosperity, your place of abundance, would you fight to get off his back? No, because I need you to get here so when you get there, you can scream and tell everyone else, yo, this is how you get here. But none of us are doing that now. None of us are doing that. I mean, it's the cold, hard reality of it. Sad but true. Sad but true. So this life of living for God is not complicated when you understand that he'll carry you, he'll sustain you, and that he will rescue you when it's needed. We have to remove all of sort of the, the nuances and, and the, the self-imposed complexity of what this life truly is about because we make it harder than it needs to. Living a life for God is all about saying yes. So remember when I said if I could show you how to do it, would you try? And you all said yes. So what we have to do is just say yes. Now, you've all did that 10 minutes ago without knowing any of the conditions. He said, yes, I will try. So God is looking for folks that will just say yes. Because if you learn how to say yes all of the time, then you can tell someone else, well, this is how I said yes. I may have said yes on my knees. I may have said yes with my hands in the air. I may have said yes just prostrate on the floor. But I still said yes. And this is how it's going to work for you. And if you don't get that lesson right away, that's okay. And I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm just going to keep teaching you every Sunday how to say yes. That's how you create an environment where people feel comfortable coming into the doors. That's how you create an environment where people feel safe to actually worship and try it out. And let folks know that it's okay to make a mistake. Like it's all right. So maybe we'll get to the point where we'll teach people to observe everything that he commands them to do and not everything that we command them to do. Hmm. Just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. Now, you can do whatever you want with that. You can ignore it, you can throw it out your head, it doesn't matter. But that's what we've been doing. That's what we've been doing. Acts chapter 16, verse 28 through 31. In the Amplified Bible, and I'm going to read this because I've got four minutes, and I want to make sure we don't leave this part right here. Let's back up to verse 27. When the jailer startled out of his sleep, saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was on the point of killing himself because he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 20 says, But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. 
Then the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and the trembling and the terrified, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out of the dungeon and said, Men, what is it necessary for me to do that I may be saved? And verse 31 says, And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, give yourself up to him, take yourself out of your own keeping, and entrust yourself into his keeping, and you will be saved. And this applies both to you and your household as well. Now, this may be a very odd sort of passage of Scripture to throw into what we're talking about right now. But the interesting part here that struck a chord with me is verse 28. Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. It was a collective mantra, ethos, if you will. And I, I get, when I read this, I get the same feeling of when folks come into the church that are broken, fractured, shattered, and are at the point of despair, and they have no place to turn. And we collectively, as a body of believers, do not harm yourself, because we are all here. Do not harm yourself because we are all here. We are all here, and we care about you. We are all here, and we will rejoice in your healing. We will rejoice in your prosperity. We will rejoice in you getting up off the mat and standing on your own two feet. That's what we will do. Now, when the church acts like that, then you will see things change in your own life. Who's willing to put themselves on the line like this? Who's willing to do that? Hey, hey, man, I know that you have a problem. Don't, mm -mm. don't hurt yourself. Right. Don't harm yourself. Right. We're here. Yes. We have you. Yeah. We got you. Yeah. And it didn't matter his age, his race, his creed, his uh, religious affiliation, his, yeah. his, um, his political affiliation. None of that mattered. Right. It was like, what can we do? to help you. And he said, how can I be saved? And they very clearly said, listen, this is what it's going to take. Give yourself up. Give yourself up to him and take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping. So when we talk about what is your purpose, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to teach other people to live? How are we supposed to show as an example what God is supposed to do? and how he's supposed to move in your life? The answer is, I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. And you know why it's easy for me to say yes? Because I've given myself up completely to him. Yeah. My own personal agenda matters not. I am entrusting my entire being, my upkeep, my health, my maintenance, my prosperity, my plan of longevity, it's not my doing now, it's all his. Yeah. So, so when the person comes in that's broken, that needs to be fixed and repaired. Do not harm yourself. Right. We are all here. Yes. We are all here. Right. We are going to help you say yes. Right. Now this sister over here says yes this way. He says yes that way. I say yes this way. But guess what? We all saying yes. That's right. We are all here. Yes. We are all here yes. to help you. 
because I love you and I care for you. And that's it. Wow, that shut off at the same time too. This is the mission of the church. To collectively save those that are lost. And when we talk about the mission of the church, we're talking about the mission of the people. Your mission is to work together with the guy to the right, the lady to the left, the person in back of you, to collectively save other people. That's right. So, hopefully, you understand what your purpose is. Hopefully, we can start teaching people exactly what our calling truly is. Not so much dogmatic doctrine, but just saying yes to God. Just saying yes to his will, to his way. And that's easy. It's three letters that will change your life. Why yes? will change your life. But we're so used to saying, eh, maybe, no, not really. But if it's just a simple yes, this will happen. And the thing about this that's interesting it talks about that, yes, you're going to save yourself and your household also. Yes. And your household. So doing this mission will actually ensure that you and your entire generation and your entire lineage will be saved just by saying yes. yes. This will ensure that your family never falls apart. This will ensure that your name will be great upon all the earth. I'm almost certain I read that someplace. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. So this is what needs to happen. So today, before we have our communion, think about, Lord, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Am I living a life that's attracting other people? Am I saying yes to you all of the time? Is my character enough that people will know that I am your child? And if it's not, that's okay. Because now we know what we have to do to fix it. And if it's not, I'm not going to hit you with a chair. I'm not going to throw a Bible at you. I'm just going to say, hey, man, that's okay. This is, how we, this, is how we get, this is how we get it right. This is how we get it right. Because I don't want you to harm yourself. Because we are all here. Do not harm yourself. Because we are all here. So when I come to you in a time of need... I need you to hear me. I don't need a 50 caliber response from you because I may be taking too much of your time. I need you to sit there and help me out. And I think when we understand that that's how we should live, not just as believers, but as people, you'll start to see things change. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.